When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Southern Gothic is a podcast that explores the history behind some of the American South's darkest days, greatest mysteries, and most chilling ghost stories. Hey y'all, so technically, this is our off week here at Southern Gothic, but I don't know if you noticed, it's the first Monday of October. And I can't imagine going silent now, right? It's spooky season, and we're about to have a month full of ghosts and legends and all sorts of things to keep you up at night, and now's the time to get started. But here's the thing. Today's episode, it's not a brand new one. I didn't make it this year. It's a show from all the way back in 2019. But recently, when I was being interviewed on another show, I was asked what one of the most haunted places I have ever been in that wasn't something like the Waverly Hills Sanatorium or the Myrtle's Plantation. You know, one of those famous ones, right? And of course, without absolutely any hesitation, I knew the answer. The Franklin Masonic Hall here in Franklin, Tennessee, which is the subject of this episode I'm about to play. But here's why all of this just really comes together, because Since 2020, after this episode was released, the historic Masonic Hall has not been open to the public for tours or visits or anything. It's only been used for what the Masons use it for. That is, until now. This month, the public will get a chance to visit the Franklin Masonic Hall for three Saturday nights in October for spooky tours. That's going to be the Saturdays, October 14th, 21st, and 28th. Three nights after almost three years closed. So y'all, if you hear this episode and you are interested in visiting this incredible building, you can book your spot over on franklinwalkingtours.com and use the code GOTHIC10 for 10% off your ticket. That's right, my listeners get 10% off at franklinwalkingtours.com. But y'all, that's not everything. That code GOTHIC10 doesn't just get you 10% off that Haunted Hall tour. It gets you 10% off everything that Franklin Walking Tours has to offer this October. From their Friday the 13th psychic event over at the old Civil War battlefield to the Tombstone Tales event on October 28th that's going to feature costumed actors at the historic cemetery. And of course, most importantly, I do say so myself, the grim and ghostly tours that I myself will be leading through the little historic Tennessee town. So yes, if y'all want to come hang out with me this Halloween season and you're in the Middle Tennessee area, I will be leading the grim and ghostly tour on each and every Saturday night during October, both at 7 p.m. and at 8.45. So y'all don't hesitate. That Haunted Hall tour is going to book up fast. So 
come out, take a seven o'clock tour with me, and then mosey on over to the Haunted Hall at 10 p.m. It will be a great night here in Franklin. And of course, again, you'll get that 10% off with Gothic 10. So just head to franklinwalkingtours.com today, use that code, book your spot, join me, all that good stuff. And now, without further ado, here is that old episode of Southern Gothic, the Franklin Masonic Hall. In the afternoon of November 30th, 1864, approximately 30,000 Confederate soldiers of the Army of Tennessee commenced a full frontal assault on an equal number of Union forces in the small town of Franklin. After a difficult loss to the United States General Sherman in the Battle of Atlanta, Confederate General John Bell Hood turned his attention towards Nashville racing Major General John Schofield's Army of the Ohio to the Union-held city. And Franklin, Tennessee was Hood's final opportunity to stop Schofield. But tragically, this assault would prove disastrous. Within a span of only five hours, One of the bloodiest battles of the Civil War took place. A violent encounter, deadlier than the infamous Pickett's Charge at Gettysburg. The Confederates were left nearly crippled, suffering roughly 10,000 casualties, with 1,750 killed and thousands wounded, captured, or missing. Undeniably, the enormity of loss and destruction during the Battle of Franklin is the most defining moment of this small town's existence. However, the rich history of the city of Franklin is far deeper than what occurred on that fateful day. And among all of the historic antebellum buildings that make up Franklin's beautiful downtown today, one has been a central character in the Southern community's evolution. The historic Franklin Masonic Hall. The first three-story public building constructed in this wealthy, two-century-old town. A witness to some of the region's most historic events with a past that some claim still lingers on within its walls today. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you are listening to Southern Gothic.
Today, Franklin is the seventh largest city in the state of Tennessee, with a population close to 81,000. And each year, thousands of tourists visit the affluent southern city, which has earned a national reputation for its commitment to historic preservation. But while its most visited destinations are linked to the city's role in the Civil War, the history of this region, as it sits tucked away in the Harpeth River Valley, begins centuries prior to the earliest European settlers. At least five indigenous cultures, including the Cherokee, Chickasaw, Choctaw, Creek, and Shawnee peoples have all called the region home. Over time, these native cultures evolved from nomadic hunter-gatherer societies into a settled existence in fortified villages along the Harpeth River and its tributaries. But by 1785, the land here that was once occupied by the Cherokee and Chickasaw was officially ceded to the United States. Settlers of European ancestry did not arrive until after the Revolutionary War, when the new American government awarded land grants to veterans of the conflict in honor of their service. And in 1798, Scottish-born settler Ewan Cameron was the first to build a home in what would soon be Franklin. The following year, while Franklin was nothing more than a huddle of log cabins, half circled by the Big Harpeth River, Abram Murray charted out the city using 109 of the 640 acres of land that he had purchased from Major Anthony Sharp. In no time at all, the Tennessee General Assembly officially established Franklin on October 26, 1799, making it the county seat of the also newly created Williamson County. As more settlers came to make use of land grants and make their homes in Tennessee, Franklin quickly transformed from a small Western enclave into a well-known entity in Middle Tennessee. Brick buildings were erected and the first two courthouses were constructed on the town square where a multitude of important government and business transactions were taking place. Then, on November 14, 1817, the Tennessee General Assembly authorized the state's first lottery at the request of Hiram Lodge No. 7, a fraternity of Freemasons that included many prominent Franklin judges and attorneys. This lottery, the first of two, funded construction of what would soon become the first three-story brick building west of the Allegheny Mountains. This building, whose location is only a stone's throw from Ewan Cameron's first log cabin, would not only be used as a Masonic hall for the lodge, but would serve as a central meeting place and community center for the growing city.
This building, whose cornerstone was laid in 1825, was built of stately red brick and introduced the Gothic Revival architectural style into the area, featuring ornate pointed arches with a unique blend of the flat federal style. While its construction was commissioned by the men of Hiram Lodge, the builders were primarily enslaved African-American men, women, and children who molded the now iconic bricks by hand. Their legacy still visible today as their fingerprints can be found on the surface of interior and exterior bricks. Once completed, the lodge used the second and third floors of the building for meetings, but the first floor was open for public use. In spite of Franklin's growth over the previous decades, no church had yet been built. So numerous congregations of various denominations met on the first floor until they were able to construct homes of their own. Then, in 1830, this very room of the Masonic Hall became witness to the beginning of the Trail of Tears as we know it. By the early 1800s, settlement of the United States was expanding outwards, a process encouraged by the land grants awarded to Revolutionary War veterans. The complication, however, was that much of the land given to these white settlers already belonged to the Native Americans. As a result, Thomas Jefferson would be the first to officially propose the Indian Removal Act, in which the titled, quote, Five civilized tribes of the Cherokee, Chickasaw, Choctaw, Creek, and Seminole nations would give up their ancestral lands in the southern United States and relocate west of the Mississippi River. Additionally, Jefferson's plan called for the assimilation of the native tribes into the culture and ideals of the United States. It was not until the presidency of Andrew Jackson, though, that the Indian Removal Act was passed and signed into law on May 28, 1830. Jackson viewed the downfall of native tribes as inevitable, given the increased settlement in the southern states, and as such, took a hard line to see that they were relocated elsewhere. So in August 1830, President Andrew Jackson invited delegations from the Chickasaw and Choctaw nations of Alabama and Mississippi to Franklin, where they would begin talks of tribal relocation. This would be the first discussion of native removal with a tribal delegation following the passage of the Indian Removal Act. Representatives of the Choctaw Nation did not attend, but on August 20th, 1830, a delegation of 20 Chickasaw leaders arrived for the meeting. Leading the delegation on behalf of the United States government was Secretary of War John Eaton and Indian Commissioner John Coffey. President Jackson was so eager to see these talks result in a success for the United States 
that he too traveled from Washington, D.C. Initially, Jackson remained in the background as discussions commenced at Franklin's Presbyterian Church. But this first meeting failed and no agreement was reached between the Chickasaw Nation and the Americans. There was, however, a request made by the Chickasaw that instead of meeting American representatives, they wanted to meet with Jackson himself. So on the following day, President Andrew Jackson joined the negotiation inside the Masonic Hall. The result was a treaty which included the, quote, secession of Chickasaw lands east of the Mississippi River in exchange for lands west of the territory of Arkansas. But the Treaty of Franklin, 1830, was just the first of many treaties that would eventually force the migration of approximately 100,000 native peoples from their ancestral lands, culminating with the Trail of Tears. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. By the middle of the 19th century, the Harpeth Valley's fertile farmland and rolling hills allowed landowners to not only grow a variety of crops, but also raise an assortment of livestock. Slavery became an integral part of the economy, and by 1860, African Americans made up more than half of Williamson County's population. Then, when the state of Tennessee was divided over the war, Franklin was considered a wealthy secessionist town. And in the spring of 1861, numerous local women turned the first floor of the Masonic Hall into a makeshift textile factory. For several months, these women 
both free and enslaved, produced Confederate uniforms inside the building. However, after the capture of Nashville in February of 1862, Federal troops marched south to Franklin and took up occupancy. Many of the city's public buildings were used by the men, including the Masonic Hall, which became a quartermaster's office, barracks, and hospital. The height of the building also provided a considerable strategic advantage, allowing a clear view of the Middle Tennessee landscape for miles on all sides. Then, on November 30th, 1864, the Battle of Franklin commenced, and over the course of a single afternoon, almost 2,000 men were left dead, and another 8,000 wounded, missing, or captured, crippling the Confederate Army. Federal troops then withdrew to Nashville, and for the following two and a half weeks, the Masonic Hall became a Confederate hospital. Before Federal forces returned, after the Battle of Nashville. Following the war, when the men of Hiram Lodge No. 7 finally regained access to their building in the summer of 1865, they were horrified by its condition and sued the United States government for damages incurred during the occupation. Unfortunately, they would not receive a dime until 1916. Over the following decades, the Masonic Hall continued to be used as a community space, serving as everything from a public library to a school gymnasium and even meeting space for women's suffragists. However, in the aftermath of the Civil War, racial tension in Franklin grew to violent proportions. On July 6, 1867, a political riot broke out in the town square after a group of white conservatives, which included ex-Confederates and members of the Ku Klux Klan, opened fire on members of the Union League, an African-American group promoting civil rights. A member of the conservatives was killed and several others injured, but 27 members of the Union League were wounded as well, most shot in the back as they fled. Unfortunately, this violent skirmish would not put an end to the tension. Numerous southern states like Tennessee launched aggressive campaigns to suppress the rights of the African-American population Catalyzed by the end of Reconstruction in 1877, the Ku Klux Klan, founded in nearby Pulaski, Tennessee, was active in Franklin as well. And in the 1920s, the Masonic Hall itself was even used as a meeting space for the group, who met on the third floor of the building. Of course, with a history that spans almost two centuries, 
numerous stories of purported spirits within the walls of the historic hall have arisen. From apparitions of soldiers to disembodied footsteps and even unexplainable smells and sounds. According to Rachel Finch, executive director of the historic Franklin Masonic Hall Foundation, reports that disembodied footsteps on the second floor and stairwell in an otherwise empty building are incredibly common, as well as the potent and rank smells of cigars, body odor, and blood that dissipate as instantly as they arise. One memorable instance was in 2015, after a professional archivist and photographer took pictures of a display case on the first floor. Eerily, upon later inspection, the image of figures sitting behind them were found in the reflections of the glass. These figures, both male and female, appeared to be dressed in antebellum clothing and seated as if they were attending a church service. Several Masons have also had purported encounters. Notably, while occupying the third floor of the building, a group of them claimed to have heard the chilling sounds of bodies being drug across the second floor, the one-time location of the Confederate hospital. But even more chilling was an audio recording made on the second floor. The recording of Finch's daughter singing both Amazing Grace and Danny Boy was intended to be used for a slideshow presentation. But upon hearing playback, the presence of a harmonizing male voice in the background was discovered. To this day, Finch's daughter, now a young adult, still refuses to visit the second floor. Children seem to be central to many of the purported experiences. In fact, after a recent performance by a children's choir, several of the young singers asked if reenactors were present at the event, describing the sight of uniformed men standing in the foyer of the hall behind the audience. Their descriptions were vivid, with details as specific as to the style of facial hair. But eerily, no reenactors were present. As of 2023, the historic Franklin Masonic Hall is listed on the Heritage Foundation of Williamson County's list of sites to save. A designation that, quote, highlights properties that are historically significant and endangered because of age, condition, or potential development. But that hasn't stopped Hiram Lodge Number 7 from continuing to reside there in this historic building, which has served as their home since its construction exactly 200 years ago. As for who else remains in the building, well, that's up to you to visit and decide. My name is Brandon Shecksnyder, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic.
Y'all, thank you so much for listening to this old episode of Southern Gothic. As a creator, it's difficult hearing some of my older work, but the history still stands up to this day. And again, I just really, truly wanted to give each and every one of you the opportunity to come out and see this historic location while it is open. And of course, if you'd like to do that, it's franklinwalkingtours.com and use the code GOTHIC10 for 10% off, and I'll see y'all down in Franklin. Lucky Lady Shacks. Hello all, Eric Rivenus with the Most Notorious Podcast here. Each week I interview an author or historian about a historical true crime, tragedy, or disaster. Subject matter ranges from gunslingers to Gilded Age murder to gangsters to fires to pirates to wild prison breaks. My guests bring their incredible knowledge directly to you. Please subscribe to Most Notorious on your favorite podcast app. Cheers and have a safe tomorrow. What's something you learned in history class that you feel like wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call Redacted History. My name is Andre White, the host of the Redacted History Podcast, the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.